Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and Chris Fuller, helping you and people across the globe live life to the fullest. Our focus is on you so you can be your best and create the life you deserve. Visit us at besteveryou.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino here with Angel Iskovich, Dr. I, as we love to call him. And um, he frequently likes to spell his, or <laughs> say angel, for so people get the spelling right for where to go find his website and things like that. But it's so it's A N G E L I S C O V I C H is there on screen. And um, I love the fact that you're on LinkedIn too. And I'll be quiet and just say welcome. Well, thank you so much. How exciting to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Great it's pleasure. a it's, great pleasure. It's a massive honor to have you here. And um, this is going to be fun to learn with you. Do we have do we have an, an hour or half hour? How much time do we have? Like a half hour or more? Or? Sure. Uh, well, whatever time you'd like. I, I'm 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 here for you guys. So okay. well, I, I'm super excited to um, share in the release of your new book. Let's just go right there. Um, that's so exciting. Um, it's called The Art of Routine. And um, I, you talk about routineology. I think that's just, I could use a little more routine. I love routines. <laughs> They're helpful. <laughs> well, you know, most successful people have a lot of good routines that they have in, in place and are organized. But uh, yeah, I wrote the book, the, the Art of Routine, to kind of tr maybe try to make a focus on things that... Um, are very important today, particularly around COVID and the issues and about how organization and structure and doing things regularly um, really kind of make a difference in our lives because it's kind of the way we're organized, the way we're wired. And so I, I try to make the connection between um, our physiology, our biology, our chronobiology, a little bit of my medical background as a, as a physician uh, for many years, an emergency physician and uh, trained originally in psychiatry and my background in philosophy kind of oh, kind of moves into this kind of area. But um, it was quite a while back, I, I kind of uh, started to notice this insight. I was studying people that were over 100 years old, you know, that uh, had long lives, uh, centenarians, they call them, or centenarians. And I noticed two qualities that were really um, about them. And and one was that they lived in a very stable environment, both physically and the people socially around them. And yeah. then uh, that they did things very regularly with great routine. But I also was what they did varied. They all had kind of their own choice of what they did in their routines. And some of the routines weren't particularly healthy necessarily. Some And some <laughs> might be thought to be healthy. But whatever they did, they did it with great consistency and great regularity in the same time of day and the sort. And... That got me to thinking about uh, people that were high performers. Um, I see someone like yourself as a high performer, being able to do what you do, and um, and uh, um, athletes, or uh, and, and in the book I talk about the Rolling Stones, even you know people that that uh, are great artists in the sort. And then got me to thinking about care of the young and how we care for our young. And uh, in businesses, organizations, how they're organized and structured and how they have routines and how routines lead to rituals. And I started to think, well, this is kind of part of our human nature. And why is that? And uh, from that, that's where the con concept that, well, really, the way we're wired, the way our bodies are, our endocrinology, our physiology, I won't get too complex, our chronobiology, oh, so our, our circadian yeah. rhythms, how we awake, and then uh, and what happens throughout the day to us. Um, and realize that there's a connection between our, our body, our physiology, and how we behave and how we view the world. And I started thinking that, well, gee, isn't it's interesting because the way we perceive the world, what gives us certainty, you know, gives us a sense of uh, surviving and a sense of equilibrium, homeostasis, as we talk about it in, in, in more physiological terms, is uh, that the world has this regularity, this routine, this rhythm. And if you look at how we perceive the world, um, interestingly enough, you know, the sun comes up and goes down and the moon it comes out. We know the cycles. We know now, of course, the seasons. We know some of the variations. 
it gives us great, great certainty. So there's great regularity. And you go back to the body, our hearts beat very regular. When they beat irregular, it's not a good thing. Not a good right? thing, <laughs> yeah. And so I started to kind of think about how in longevity or high performance, how we care for the young and businesses, that is just general themes, how um, really in today's world, uh, we're being interrupted, disrupted quite a bit. And what I, what I sometimes call an age of infinite distractions that, that are <laughs> happening today. That's a good way of and, saying um, that. <laughs> and, and, and kind of uh, um, the, the fact that we can't get any rhythm, any routine, really. We're, we're always being constantly, you know, pumped or zoomed or whatever it might be by all this content, you know. And, and I try to talk about, you know, the, the reason it's the art of routine is basically the art is what you do within it. And so people ask me, well, what should I do? And I said, well, I'm not sure necessarily exactly what you should do. I could give you a few ideas, but whatever it is you do, try to do it regularly. Try to do it in a routine and your body will coordinate. And that's how we've survived as humans uh, in the sort. And so I think, uh, you know, what's happened to us in the last year and a half, the, the damage and the collateral damage, what I, what I call that's happened is, is, uh, I've had some new insights myself into how it's akin to war. It's an interesting concept. And, but there's been a lot of collateral value that's come out of it, a lot of good things in a way that we can kind of, as humans are, put our lives together and kind of move forward. Uh, in the book, The Art of Routine, I, I talk about people in the worst situations finding just little things that they can do and accomplish that give them meaning and purpose in life and how they survive difficult situations and one of them is, is, you know, I talk about is my mother um, who lived to a long age, but was an Auschwitz survivor. She was a survivor of the Holocaust and a little bit of the stories of what, how she was able to find something to hold on to, something to do regularly, something that gave her a routine, that gave her a sense of meaning and purpose. And all of that's kind of, if we get into the science of it, even it, there's a lot of reasons why this all happened. So those are, that's a, a kind of a, a big picture view of, of kind of what I'm um, talking about in the art of routine and, and, and trying to, as a caregiver, trying to find a, a good, a really good message that how we're wired has a lot of hope and survival uh, and that we really are going to be in the right, in the right fashion, but that a lot of us have been disrupted, um, interrupted, our time bubbles, as I call it, have been burst. And now we've got to re kind of create that stability, that homeostasis as individuals or as social groups. So I know that's a big soliloquy of a lot of things, but I just wanted to tell you a little bit about where the concepts are and where they're a little different than how other people talk about routine because of, I try to connect our physiology and the world we perceive and why it is that, that we are that way. Well, that, you know, that was the one thing that, that I instantly noticed with this book. First of all, I noticed how incredibly intelligent you are. I think it, thank you for being here. It just, in all you have done for everybody that I'm sure so many people have such a better life because of you. It, oh, it, in your, just in the history of, of Angel Eskovich, I bet every life you touch has just been amazing. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and the, the book is, it's the first book I've seen where it has that kind of medical tie-in or both, both, both mindset and physical to kind of explain how we can be our best with the, you know, routine. And I, I, you know, it's funny, I've sworn by routine since I was itty bitty. <laughs> like, no, 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 don't throw my routine off or whatever. But anytime I need to do something like, you know, lose 20 pounds or, you know, whatever it is, there's a routine to follow to get that done. Or, um, so, for example, like one of our sons plays college baseball. There's an extreme routine to achieve at that level that you follow. And I kind of watch and I'm like, oh, that's how you do that. Because, you know, it's it's fascinating. So yeah, I can I can really relate to that. I played college baseball, too, oh, uh, and, and learned through sports, uh, you know, a little bit about uh, and sports is very cool. interesting in regard to why. Why is it that that one does what they do? How is it that we repeat the same things over and over? And how do we. Um, you know, and, and how routines uh, actually can become rituals of teams to develop a team culture and 
and why uh, baseball players can be very superstitious. Oh, yeah. You know, about how <laughs> they one goes about doing the sort. And this is the same in, in sports and also in societies. And and why um, one of the things I talk about in, in the book, too, is how important, you know, rituals are. Because rituals comes from things that we do regularly. And those rituals can be, uh, of course, in sports, there's lots of rituals that teams develop. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, even in, 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 in the world, social world, I think it was Prince Albert, uh, the Queen of Queen Victoria's era, um, that realized that he needed to develop rituals. A lot of the rituals that were developed around the turn of the century um, were actually purposely created to so that people had a certain sense of certainty, something that was truly going to happen every year and something to look forward to. And uh, so there's a lot of a lot of there's a lot to that in the way our minds uh, actually find that equilibrium and that stability and, and comfort, really, uh, when when we can remove some of that uncertainty. And that and that happens. And they're I just speaking for now rituals because I think of sports. I think about rituals, and I think about you know how we practice the same things over and over again, and how then we have to perform that which we practiced. And uh, there's quite a bit of science on what happens in the midbrain, um, mm -hmm. and how we learn early, and how things get put into the brain, and how suddenly when it's you know the bottom of the ninth and two outs and your kids in the mouth position and how can you how can you actually relax and have what's in your midbrain from what you've practiced that routine actually perform and how that happens so there's a lot there's a lot to this and um in the sport so i just i just uh, thought when you brought up baseball i thought how how apropos it is in relation to to that to to how we are in high performance in sports yeah we have four boys and they're each two years apart and they all played baseball. And then one played college baseball. There's a time, a moment where I, we, there were two, only two of us and four of them, they all were on different fields at once. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> but You know, I, it's so interesting I, I'd, um, that you're, you're going through that. You know, when, when I, when I grew up, I, my, yeah, my, my, my parents, we were immigrants to the United States from Argentina. That's where the name Angel comes, Angel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they both had survived the war, went to Argentina and went to look for a better life and came to the United States. And um, and uh, I remember that like many immigrants today, and, I'm, and I, I do a lot of work on the philanthropy side with uh, groups like Direct Relief, where I've been the board chair, which is a humanitarian organization throughout the, throughout responding to emergencies. And, and I, and I kind of, recognize as I look that the the immigrants are trying to, you know, they're, they're two working families, right? The same as much of it is today. And that was the case. And I was thinking, wow, my dad only got to see two of my games ever, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and the sort. So um, I know how important that is and, and, and how, how you make that a routine where you can get each game and make yourself function throughout the day is probably a, a, a challenge. Yeah, it was tricky for sure. And we'll go, we're going to go back to you, but I have one more question for where did you play college baseball? Well, actually, it was a small college, although I had opportunities at the University of Puget Sound oh. in, in, in uh, Tacoma, Seattle, Washington area. And it was a it was a uh, a team that uh, I had an opportunity to go to some bigger universities, but I was kind of uh, in a personal way, just ready to leave the nest and get out of Los Angeles where I grew up. And the Pacific Northwest hearkened to me. It was so different than anything I'd ever seen or had exposure to. And they were the Division II national champions of the year uh, after the year before I, I I ran. And they had a really good recruiting team. And most everybody was drafted and and the sort. And so there were a lot of a lot of you know a lot of a lot of good players. And it was a really fun experience um, uh, to to do that. Well, it sounds familiar. Our son plays D two also for New yeah. Haven. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, all right. Go. Yeah. yeah. No. So so much fun. Anyway, thanks for thanks for the baseball chat because we love we love baseball and there's certainly I think I think because we have such a, a community of athletes in Best Ever You, I would I would just like to highly recommend the book to you know athletes, executives, managers, you know all those types of people. But we have a lot of athletes that follow Best Ever You. So all you who watch this and listen, it's a I lo I love what you just said. Um, 
why did you let's let me just go back to you know you've done you've done many things why did you decide to write this book well you know for me in a personal way it was a transition uh from you know, and I still do uh, practice in an administrative way, um, emergency medicine. I, I do that work, but I was a transition from the corporate world where, where I left to coming to kind of a, a point of trying to find an insight into human nature that I thought was important in a somewhat disrupted world, or even as individuals, even when our world is functioning perfectly, if that ever has been the case, uh, there's always um, moments for people that they need to... Um, to learn how to recreate uh, equilibrium, consistency, a good environment, and develop routines. And, and I really started to think about all the people that I'd cared for so many in, in, in emergency medicine and during my time in psychiatry and realized that people that had injuries or were broken mentally, they well, what we did for them above and beyond medications to change how their brains were working was that we gave them a stable environment and we gave them a routine and gave them great regularity. And you, you notice that's the case if one should unfortunately be at a hospital or have an issue is that the stability and regularity and routine are very important for healing. Um, because again, I think that's our, that's our nature and that's how, that's how we're, we're built. Um, so I think it was more of my being wanting to be a caregiver in a little bit of a different way than uh, and more into an insight than it was to, uh, you know, putting hands on and uh, trying to take care of a patient who's in trauma or or trying to solve a, an issue in a in a, you know, in a healthcare company. So, yeah. So COVID is here. Do you have any advice for us? Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's level. Level. yeah. Well, yeah, there, first it's, you know, I've even most recently uh, above and beyond the book developed certain insights. And what I talk about in the book is that we go through life like we're born in a womb that's very stable and we grow in that womb and then we're kind of thrown out in the world. And then we go through what I call, I just call them time bubbles as an analogy where the bubble is that environment you're in that can burst and break up and time is what you do in it regularly. And um, we kind of go through life um, uh, through these uh, events that occur in our lives. They could be marriages, divorces, things that happen throughout our lives. And, um, and so we kind of are, we burst these, our time bubbles internally, externally, and then we begin to recreate that homeostasis, that, that equilibrium. And what's happened uh, now, as you, as you, as I, and I was taking a kind of a larger view of this, and um, I was watching and reading something about, you know, World War II, and it started to make me think that really, the analogy to what's happened to all of us now, is that it is a war, and it's interesting because when you look at the United States and and you look back at years, we haven't really had a war fought on our own shores. As, as you know, and, and a lot of people, our children, and some many of us um, who may come, come from parents as I do that did experience war. Um, but really, whether it was World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, all of these things have happened outside of our shores, right? And arguably, you know, 911 was something that happened um, very specific on our shores, but now it suddenly struck me that this was the first time that we've really had a war on our shores. Yeah. And when you look at how, what happens to people that have been, that happened in war where the, their families get separated, they have to change their routines. They have to change their everyday lives. The things that we often strive for, for consistency and continuity, certainty, that that's really what's happened across the board in many different fa facets that are, are we've, we're now trying to begin to recover from, from war. You know, I, I think about sheltering in place being like Londoners that the sirens go off and they're going underground to escape, you know, the war. Families were uh, disrupted. Um, I, and still haven't seen my mom yet. I, I still haven't, I haven't seen my mom yet for since it started. There, there, there it is, right. And now still waiting for, in today's times, for vaccinations and 
you know, in, in the psychology that everybody's a viral threat, kind of a certain paranoia that happens almost naturally the way the brain works in flight and fright survival, how we work through it. Yeah. How do we overcome uh, people becoming viral threats to us almost? How, you know, how do we gather ourselves? And, and so, you know, my, you know, one of my things I'm just going to add is parsing through the information out there. You don't know if, you know, if it's, you know, for example, safe with someone with anaphylaxis, like I have to even get vaccinated. I'm sitting here going, well, what do I do? You know, kind of thing. And then there's too many choices and no clear information. You know, there's just the clarity is so blurred that you, right. that it makes you kind of pull back and just create a safety zone. Right. Or something. It's, it's right. interesting. Yeah. No, no, you're, it, it is. It's a, it's been a very uh, disruptive time. And I've, I've just only recently started thinking of it as a war something yeah. that we on our shores haven't. And so you can use kind of the lessons of how you recover, you know, uh, and how others historically have. Granted, it's a it's a modern time. But, you know, humans have, have fleed and done very, um, have fleed uh, their areas. They've migrated because of war, pestilence, and disease, right? If you start looking. And this is disease, yeah. you know? And, uh and it, it's, of course, it's worldwide. It's not just here uh, in the United States, which exacerbates a lot of the issues and, and, and problems. But that being said, that being said, you know, I was thinking that uh, of a, the saying that, you know, what is it you, you most learn from losing, like a baseball game or sport? Yeah. What you learn is that uh, how much more you like winning. You know, and yeah, <laughs> and so and, and I remember a line like that from a from a movie, The Good Year, uh, quite a while back. But but so what's happened is we also were learning, and so this has been the damage, the collateral damage. But we're learning now some collaborative value, some value that's really come out of this. And my message for our ability to survive and find equilibrium, either as individuals or as a social group is actually it's going to be okay because we first of all have the physiology the endocrinology the way our bodies work to find stability to find homeostasis to get routines to find the correct environment and so i was just thinking about a few of those things like um one of the values is that we're learning how important being disrupted from our routines and regularity our rhythm our momentum how that is something maybe that we seek to have more of because we've all been most all of us have been disrupted from that. Um, we started to recognize, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. One of the things I used to say in 2019, maybe, maybe even 2018 is I started like hating on the word disruptive, disruptor, disruption and everything back right. then. And I'm like, you know, all you people are going to get what you wish for, you know, kind right. of thing. I'm like, I right. wish people would stop saying that, you know, right. and I, Say to my husband all the time, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I get what they right. mean, and I see its purpose and things like that. It makes industry better, at, you know, financial services or whatever. You know, you 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 get it, everything technical yeah. or whatever. You know, I get you disrupt the flow and everything, but oh, that word. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I understand, and, and I'm using it a little bit in a different way. I know you are. Like people often ask me, I say, well, routine so so boring, and uh, how can you move forward if you're doing the same things and habits that you always have as a company, as an individual, or right. grow? And I said, well, just change your routine, it, what you do in it. it, it uh, so if you don't like Pilates and yoga, it's okay. You know, why don't you go do walking in Tai Chi? And you can find a different time. There are better times to do it. And, but so change, change the content. And people get mixed up with the content versus of what they're choosing to do versus the regularity of what they do, the routine of what they do. And that's, we want that rhythm, that regularity, that routine. That's how our bodies are organized to find equilibrium and feel good. So there's a, a subtle difference between uh, being a good innovator and a disruptor by changing that content, but the <laughs> yeah. ability to actually perform it or do it well comes from still finding a routine of that particular behavior or content that you do. But there's been a lot of, you know, value. I just to get back to that, I was just looking at a couple of things I I kind of noted down and I can speak to them, but I, you know, the, uh, the environment in our home, in our workplace, we begin to understand the value of our environment. All of a sudden people are sheltering in place and we've been at homes moving about uh, quickly out of the home, in the home to work or otherwise. 
And we started to realize that, well, wait a second. Now that I'm spending so much time here, I wonder why I didn't, that old couch, but now I'm spending time, I got to change that. So suddenly we, you start to be, understand how important your environment is, how um, the home you're in or the community you live within, or even your workplace, which has obviously been disrupted by becoming virtual. Uh, and that's kind of in itself a value of learning of learning something. Um, I think we've, in some, in many areas, we've learned the, the importance of family and surviving together, where maybe we weren't having important conversations yeah, and things that were meaningful or were just so busied and moving so quickly that suddenly we were forced to be at the dinner, at the dinner table, you know, at the kitchen <laughs> table. Home, what we call it. Forced yeah. And maybe not for all, but for many of us, you know, develop <laughs> certain insights that, um, that have been that way. Um, I think some of us, which I think is good, become a little more introspective about life hmm. when your life is threatened. We learned a little bit about introspection and uh, about life and who we are. Um, these are some collateral values, I think, that are coming out of this kind of, uh, you know, war, so to speak, that we've had. Um, um, and, you know, some people have, it's interesting, people have learned about themselves a little bit. You know, we used to do Meyer Briggs studies in the corporation to find out what kind of personality you had. And you probably have learned a little, a little bit about who you are in these situations. You know, I've had a few people that say, oh, I absolutely love it. I'm an introvert anyway. So my being at home now, not having to go into the office, being on Zoom calls instead of being in person is just perfect for my personality. Yeah. Others have realized how they miss um, the social interaction, how... Um, I remember just recently someone saying hello to me and uh, and I had my mask on and they had their mask on and I, I said, hello, but I didn't know who they were, <laughs> you know, because they had their mask on, right? And so we start to recognize how important some of the social contact, the way we interact with each other is, particularly for people that are a little more extroverted in the sort. And you and you also learn there's limitations to the Zoom calls, you know, the, the kind of yeah. things we're we're even engaged in now by by necessity uh, that they're not a full replacement for 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 human interaction. Do you what? Mm -hmm. I have a question. Which one? Are, which one are you personally? If you don't mind my asking, because as you were talking, well, I, I think when I did my Meyer Biggs, I was definitely a, an extrovert. You know, yeah. so so I was. But I think um, I think uh, like I write a little bit about in the book about how some prescriptives of how to deal with. Sometimes people that are extroverted get get tired because you're out there all the time and you're working and then you need to shelter yourself a little bit. Yeah. Have a little bit of quiet time. And um, in the art of routine, I, I had seen one of the CEOs that I'd worked with would take by discipline, by routine, every day from 3 to 345. Um, in this case, he would um, shut the room, get rid of all of the technology, all of the phones, nobody in, in the ear, even his own personal inclination to want to be out there, right? <laughs> An extroverted and take them a moment of just quiet time to really reflect, to really ponder, even in some cases, important decisions where you might have an important, you know, inflection point decision of something that needs to be made either in business or in your personal life. And, uh, um, so I think that uh, extroverts, and I, and I just talked to that because extroverts also need to have uh, some moments of getting getting away, so to speak. Um, and um, so anyway, so I think I'm an extrovert. Yeah, I, it's funny because I think I'm the opposite, actually. I think it, it, parts of me, I have to really force myself to be extroverted. Like I, I'm kind of more like, oh, good. We're at home and all this. Yeah, stuff. Right, right. And I, I probably schedule my extrovert instead of scheduling the opposite way. Even with shows and writing and you know all the stuff with Best Ever You, it's still from the comfort of my home. Right. <laughs> and, and so, that, and that's the beauty. You know, you have a stable environment. You have a routine. Yeah. And those things that are unscheduled, that are extroverted at times, that come into play, kind of disrupt that. that and that's oh, going to be something that's oh, going to no, be. I got to go do something. Yeah, that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting, uh, you know, for people on on how to how to get back into that uh, that mode, you know, where you can exchange, where you can exchange, where you can engage, where you can engage again. 
Um, and some people's lives, you know, one of the other values I think people learned, uh, I know like in healthcare, we, uh, one of the things that happened right when, when COVID came out is we're talking about COVID and what I think are some valuable things that we've learned, you know, and can move forward with. Um, I remember the real conflict that um, the nurses, um, uh, though most, more there are more women than men that are nurses, but parenting suddenly caused because there was a need for them to be in the hospital, but they were taking care of their children and they couldn't go. Uh, they, there was no daycare. And so now there was this conflict about how do you, um, how do I do this? You know, I'm being asked to go to the hospital. I'm, so it really was very, very stressful and people, uh, years. right, right. Oh. And then I, I've, yeah, I've had other friends that, that where they were in states that didn't allow, for example, for children to uh, go to school, felt that the social interaction when you're growing up and you're young is so important in learning. Often I think that's the case in education is well, you really learn when, you know, in preschool and the early early elementary school and the sort is really how to behave, how to socialize, how to get in line, how to hold hands. Play in the sandbox. So, yeah, how to play in the sandbox. And if you're missing that, then there's a certain amount of socialization. And, and they even, uh, I have a few friends that, that said, we're moving. You know, we're moving out of the state somewhere where our kids can be in school and deciding to take the risks related, related to, uh, to COVID in the sort. So um, some people that learn that value, learn that there's a value to um, how we care for our young and how we educate them. Um, so, so true. A lot of, uh, I think a lot of good things, a lot of collateral value that's come come from this. Um, but I think that there, we have these challenges now on on how do we move forward? What's, what's a little bit of the new world? Um, um, and how is it that we can get back to what many people want everyday life. You know, a lot of people just want to be back to their everyday life. Uh, forget the misery, the war, so to speak. Connect back with it. I hear that over and over again. Like yeah, I just want to be done yeah. with it now. Yeah. So so it's an inter it's a very it's a very interesting it's an interesting moment. And I think the outcomes are not really well known in how we're going to do our businesses in the future. Um, some businesses have learned that People can be as productive away from home, depending on their sector, as they are otherwise. Um, so that's going to that's going to change um, to a certain degree. But I think for now, uh, people often ask me, "Is how can I?" I'm, there are some people are having trouble getting back to engage with people. They don't want to go back to the office. They're not sure they want to meet. You know, we've been kind of uh, conditioned a little bit here in this last year that everybody, I call it a viral threat, that everybody could be a threat to you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I was writing a little piece just recently that I was trying to think how do, what's my prescription for people getting back? And I, I thought, well, you oh, know. I gotta write this down, hang on, I'm writing. No, no, no. <laughs> I love that. I know. I I'm not sure there is a good prescription. That's the problem. I, the, only <laughs> the only analogy I could think was uh, that there, one of them was just a cold shower. It's just the way you have to get into a cold shower. You know, there's a couple ways to do it, right? Yeah. How do you get into a cold shower, Elizabeth, if you ever do? That's my comfort zone. It's yeah. Like, oh. Do you do it right away? Do you get, do you, do you just yeah, go if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to do something cold, because I'm a creature of like, I don't like to be cold. Right. I'm going all in. Just get me cold and whatever. Right. Yeah. If I got to go outside or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm jumping in. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so there, there's, there's a, uh, so the the so now you know people are are asking how do I reengage? Some people have um, um, you know I did a on LinkedIn I did a little poll uh, saying are you uh, are you en are you enjoying the time that you have now? How you're spending your time? It was just for fun. I just put a little poll and I forgot how many people answered. Maybe 114. It's not a very large P number like we say. Not great science to take a survey. <laughs> But it was interesting that 57% of the people were not enjoying the, how they're spending their time today. Hmm. You know, so it kind of reflects the the impact, you know, to some degree, the damage. Now, I don't know what the baseline is, because I think if you ask people how many people are not enjoying their time, how they spend their time, there'd be, I don't know how many people, maybe 25% or 20. I don't really know. You know, we we have 
been dealing with a lot of that actually on Best Ever You. I think your poll is good science actually because it's about what we've been experiencing on Best Ever You too, and what what our mission has been with with people who have called or you know things that we, you know people we've talked to. We've tried to direct people back to gratitude. Just gratitude. Um, I'm a person who's you know nearly lost their life a couple times through you know food allergic reactions, and so right. I'm deeply rooted in gratitude just for breath. And so we've tried to reframe people's perspectives when they get all out of when they drift away from gratitude to kind of bring them back into just even the easiest things. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great psychological piece. I I remember uh, talking about that the, an attitude of gratitude, mm -hmm. right? Because how sometimes what you should be thankful for needs to be more than just what it is. It's an attitude, really, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a way of of thinking, trying to promote that. Uh, so I think that's I think that's that's fabulous, and I I, I think in, in the past, and, and particularly when it comes that routines then can become cultures when they become rituals. And if you take Thanksgiving, for example, yeah, is kind of is 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 something that gives us and helps us have an attitude of gratitude, right? Yeah. You know, like you're talking about, and so um, this is again why some the routines, the rituals, the things in everyday life, we shouldn't just throw them immediately away. Right. And and we need to, as humans, have that sense of something that's coming up um, every year, even if it's uh, the yearly, uh, you know, way that you, um, uh, you try to do resolutions, New Year resolutions, you know, which is kind of a, yeah. a ritual of sort because <laughs> people want to renew themselves. They use the year as a, as a moment of renewal so I think those are really, I think those are also really important things that we need to get back to and yeah, make sure that we, we, we engage. It's, it's tough. It, it can be kind of tough to change your behavior into that mode too. You know, if you, if you really are sad about things or really are, are spinning in a bad situation or whatever. But um, I know when my dad was really ill, um, he was ill from 2004 to 2018. Um, that was what, um, he, that's one of the things he did. Um, he kept his faith and hope and called him the ICU warrior and all this stuff. And so it taught me a lot in survival and resilience and everything, just watching what he did to survive the right. struggles he had and so forth. Right. And, um, and, and it, it somehow st strangely applies. Yeah, no, it, it does. It, it does. You know, I, in, in kind of personal, uh, you know, uh, it, it, for individual ways, um, People, I, I remember meeting an insurance inspector who I was talking to about the book and routines and waiting to get it and told me, he said, my life was completely uh, ruined, disrupted. Uh, and and I really understand what you're talking about in, instinctively. Yep. And I said, well, what happened to you? And he said, well, you know, I got a divorce and then I lost my children's custody. I lost my job. Things, um, and this is pre-COVID times, and I kind of lost my way. Uh, I gained weight. I stopped exercising. I lost my routine. I lost doing things regularly. And he said, I know that uh, what you were talking about is that sometimes you just, when you're really out of sorts, is that, and if you look at the way the brain works, is that you start doing something regularly and, and, uh, it, itself completing that task gives you meaning and purpose. Uh, in this case of someone that was, you know, kind of on the edge, really, yeah. he, he mustered enough strength to get to the to the gym and said, "I'm going to get in shape." And got there in the morning, and started on the treadmill and found an older gentleman next to him, who he became friendly with, who was on the treadmill and had this sort of a mentor of routine. This person was it. extremely organized, extremely structured. Very, very positive and hopeful. Um, probably a lot of the kinds of things you do to survive, like your father, over yeah. a period of time, um, and uh, kind of taught him the importance of that. And just by doing this, I'm going to the gym and meeting this person regularly, um, began to because routine builds upon routine. The regularity, your your brain likes it when you get some good feelings from dopamine. There's some science behind why. Why would I feel good after making my bed? Or why would I feel good after exercising? <laughs> yeah. Or why do we feel good just to do something, you know, to start the day? 
And this got, got him into the rhythm and was able to then um, go out to, to job seek and, and put, put his, his life into order. Love it. And, um, and we see that same thing in, 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 you know, psychiatric patients who have, you know, certain illnesses, whether it's, you know, manic depressive disease, schizophrenia, and how we, if they need hospitalization until they get better, how we provide that womb, that, that cocoon, that stable environment, and the regularity of doing things, eat the same times to eat, the same times um, to engage. So, have you ever met Dr. Harley Rotebart? No, but I've, I've I've heard of I've heard of him. No, I haven't. I had him on the show a few guests ago um, because we were both with uh, HCI Publishing, and his book No Regrets Living. You would like, I think you would like his book, and well, I think you. you would love him. You. you guys, I need to introduce you guys. I'm I'm a networking person. I connect. Yeah, no, that's great. No, I, no, I, no, I, 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 I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, and to his, um, yeah, his. You guys have, a, you just have common. You have commonalities, and and your thinking, and everything. I bet he would really love to talk yeah. to you. Yeah, and I and I think you know, for me, the the hopeful message is that understanding. Really, I mean, and I know it's a little beyond people to understand our chronobiology or our physiology that and our how we are set up for rhythms because that's how our bodies work, the world we perceive, how that in itself, uh, just with a little bit of help or direction from someone or just naturally to survive, you will you will be able to do fine. You'll be you'll do fine over time. You know, people circadian rhythms i don't know if you on your show you've ever spoken much about our circadian rhythms how, I haven't, but I would uh, how like our, our how our what's happening to our hormones in our body what's happening to cortisol and glucose throughout the day when we wake up and i i talk a little bit about chronobiology and circadian rhythms uh, to to companies because and to individuals because they don't they don't sometimes understand their own physiology and why there's better times to do to do certain things and so you know in, in the morning if you start looking at what's happening to your body and your blood pressure is going up, your glucose is improving, your cortisol is improving, those are great times to exercise and great times if you're doing work to do diligent work, work that's a very uh, more intense work like spreadsheets or writing, uh, things that are technical, maybe even more introverted types of things, you know, that uh, you do, you're going to have to do yourself for the most part. And then the way our bodies are organized, and this is in general, because some people are night owls and some people are larks. So there's kind of a shift about when, but this is pretty much if you study the body, uh, there was a Nobel Prize on circadian rhythms and how our body actually the science of it not too long back. Um, and then about 10 to 12 to as long as two o'clock is a great time for engagement. This is when people are best at engaging, you know, um, and I know when I've talked to like people that are recruiters or, or, or staffers or people trying to get going on, let's say the gig economy and improve their, their company, their little, their, their world, the work that they do, when do I do it best? And then I'd have people ask me, say, well, what happens at about three o'clock? You know, I, I just so pooped out. I can't right. You know? And, and so, well, I say, well, that's your, that's your hypothalamus in your brain telling you that you need to either eat sleep, uh, or have sex, actually. Those are, those are some, but you know, there's a reason the English culturally have tea at three o'clock, why they develop tea, high tea, and uh, why in Spanish cultures, there's been siesta, you know, as part of the culture, although that's changing as we're in our modern productive world, uh, or the French and Italians, at least talking about Europeans anyway, uh, about, you know, the, the afternoon, uh, sex and this is monitored by and so when people are trying to have real real high level engagement or do technical things at three o'clock it, it around that time it doesn't work well and i know that even from in my company there was a i developed it understanding a little bit of this i did innovation work i get people together to be very relaxed have some food <laughs> obviously That's people in, in america it's it's more the starbucks you know or whatever yeah. uh uh coffee and and sit and do some innovative work that's more top of the mind that doesn't require a lot of you know diligence in that regard in fact you know some companies um, have recognized productivity in this regard and have said okay forget it you can go home after three o'clock 
but um, at seven or nine o'clock, I expect you between seven and nine to do a little bit of, of, of work. So, so in the book, I talk a little bit about circadian rhythms, our chronobiology, because that's, you know, part of what gives us equilibrium and gives us homeostasis, gives us a sense of comfort, you know, and, uh, and I think understanding that maybe can help us, uh, you know, um, you know, be the best ever you, right? So, <laughs> I love it. You know, so. Thank you for that. <laughs> the, is that, so one of the things that I learned, I don't know if I, I know necessarily back then called it circadian rhythms and all this stuff, but I noticed that if I didn't slow myself down, um, I would become ill. Like I can, I can, you know, I would start to feel a scratchy throat or be super tired or whatever. If, if I just went, 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 go, 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 burn the clock at all. Without like, moments of, without moments. Yeah. Without yeah. downtime or moments yeah. of rest, right. For people, individuals yeah. and, needing to recharge. Right. And so, um, so, you know, in, 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 in personality traits, and I'm talking more a little bit psychiatry in the sort psychology in personality traits, um, you know, people, that have mania, that are manic, you know, yeah. have real, real disease, not right. which you don't have, but okay. hypomania. Hypomania is that personality disorder that's, that that has a lot of that activity and movement, a lot of thinking, a lot of movement um, uh, in thought um, and in energy, you know, uh, to be creative. And some of the most creative people, you know, the, and some of the people that are most productive, this is this is what is their personality type. Yeah. But it's absolutely true, and I'd argue that, uh, and most friends would tell you that I'm that personality type, you know, hypomanic, looking to fill, you know, fill the time, and there's never enough. But but you're absolutely correct that that um, even though one can be very routine, very scheduled, um, maybe working perfectly well with your circadian rhythms, usually that's not what people are doing. They're not working well in circadian rhythms because they're not paying attention to when the best time to exercise is or when there is that downtime. Just as I was speaking about the CEO that takes that, instead of meditation, which is complicated, I like to prescribe quiet time. You know, meditation is a form of that, but it's a little more complex to learn what type and how to do it. Uh, so your body has those moments to try to um, and if you're not listening to it or, or work through it because of, you want to be more productive and if you didn't do this or you didn't do that, uh, you will harm your body. I you think know, it's why I burned out my immune system because I didn't have any, I never had any food allergies until I was in my late 20s. Yeah. And in my, in my late 20s, I was working around the clock with two small kids and just working, working, right. working, right. working, working. Right. And um, necessity and need, and you don't stop and think, oh, you know, my circadian rhythm is all, you know, you're just like oh, trying. No, it, to it, it isn't. And, you know, you, you find people adjusting, particularly, you know, moms who have several kids. And in today's world, you know, we have, we, everybody's got two, not everybody, but most people have two yeah. jobs. And, and so how do you, uh, you know, how you get the right amount of sleep, which is really a known to be a, a, an issue, is very difficult. How you wake up, you want you start wanting to wake up early in, in your circadian rhythm, even though you're tired, uh, because it's a moment of quiet time. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. you can't find that quiet time in the day. So how you organize your day relative to your your chronobiology, which is similar in most people with some variations, is is really it's it's really important in how yeah. to keep healthy. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. All right. Is there, um, I know we've kept you longer than I, I, oh, no, my pleasure. I, I love the conversation. Is there anything more that you want to talk about before we go? Just throw it out there broadly to, to. Yeah. Well, you know, I, again, I, I think that, uh, I've been, I've, it's been interesting that, um, I've been, you know, now as I hear people, you know, tell me they're, they're recognizing how important routines are. I had a gentleman tell me, could you tell my wife, <laughs> that I'm doing it okay by being so uh, so uh, organized. This happens too as people get older; they become a little more um, routine, more stringent. Try to control your environment a little bit more. Um, and so uh, it's interesting because you know, as I've talked to you, maybe we are coming out of a war. You know, an analogy of a war today. And uh, what's happening? Um, and I, I I do have a. A little segment in the book, The Art of Routine, is uh, which has always been the case before, is that people are beginning to try to travel. They're dying to travel right now. You know, you're seeing 
there's going to be issues too. There's like less workers to move fuel around. So there may not, lines may be full. But um, one thing I learned about high performers, once they have to travel, whether it's, uh, um, I just uh, did a show with Bill Cartwright, who was with the Chicago Bulls. He has a show, Bill Cartwright show. And uh, we're talking a lot about sports and routine practice rituals. Um, uh, and how do you travel well so that you can, you know, so now that we're getting back into into travel, uh, I talk often about the the travel time bubble. How uh, really in traveling, our our circadian rhythms get disrupted, right? Our diets get disrupted, and then we're in these new environments, right? These new uh, the, these hotel rooms or whatever it might be. This is very common for what what was business travel in the past. You know how we how we business traveled, and the hotels. They've tried to develop brands so that their rooms look very much the same and they everything looks kind of the same. And, and this is just an insight into how important having familiarity, you know, <laughs> yeah. for us for us is. And um, so one thing, maybe just a thought is that that you know, people need to consider how to how to try in this time coming out of it to travel not and travel and try to travel with um with some amount of an organization try to keep a routine and a rhythm take the the things that you take the whether it's it's food or trying to as i used to tell to business travelers they told me yeah you know you're it's interesting i i would only go to courtyard marriott's because i felt more comfortable because they all look the same and when i traveled on a plane i liked my routine of going to this and i wanted always to have the same seat on the airplane you know that i liked and <laughs> I try to then I figured out which snacks I need to be able to get through, you know, my travel. And so I think starting to be smart about uh, travel, I think that's maybe one other thing that I, I think might be um, important as we come out of this and our our travel routines is really important. The people that in, in, in sports and high performers that travel well, Elizabeth, they can perform well, the ones that can adjust to different environments. And uh, the story I tell in the book about the, the Rolling Stones, who are septuagenarians, arguably, I think one of them might be 80 years old, have been, have been <laughs> yeah. touring for 55 years, 55 years. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that you would think that a creative, artistic um, performance like they do isn't organized or routine, but they are the most routine and organized people you'd ever meet in order to be able to travel. And now at their age, so much so that their backstage has to be the same everywhere they go. They actually bring it with them to find this sense of familiarity. We know this about patients too, that when patients suddenly that are older have to come to a hospital, they can become confused. We call it, yeah, they call, we call it uh, sundowning. This is how our brain becomes used to In your middle years, it's easier to adjust to your environments and time zone changes. But when you're young, or when you're older, it's more difficult. And and so now that we're traveling, we might think that, oh, we can adjust easily in the sort. Um, and it depends on your age, especially if you're taking, you're getting together with your parents or they're traveling or the young, trying to maintain a routine and consistency of how you travel is actually more important than one might think. So yeah, that would be one, one, one thing I didn't really think to talk yeah. about. Do you think, and, and so like a sort of mindfulness combined with like a slowdown with just familiarity? Okay. Right. Yeah, I think it's the mindfulness, as you talked about an attitude of gratitude uh, or attitude of having some, gra I talked about attitude, gratitude. It's, I think, a mindfulness of, of planning a routine. Yeah. You know, and you might think, well, being spontaneous is so much more fun and you don't know what happens and it's an adventure. And if you're in your middle ages, you can have plenty of adventures and plenty of adventures happen traveling, whether you plan them or not, you know, regardless, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, with how you end up or where you go in today's travel. But yes, I think it's a mindfulness of saying, you know, it's okay that I'm planful. It's okay that I have a routine. It's okay that I try to find the best seats and the best flights and stay at places that I'm comfortable that um that maybe that will be better for myself for my family to to be to be involved in that way yeah um so have you have you i got one more question um and the, i might have opened open a can of worms here at the end but have you noticed how how the just the reactions to all this are just 
all over the map. Like some people are just so comfortable, whatever they're doing with a mask, without a mask, you know, it's, it's just all over the place. Right. Right. And I think, you know, what we're seeing is uh, both cultural and the personality types coming in people that come from different cultures and the personality types that you are uh, about how they've reacted. You know, we talked about the introverts loving, you know, sheltering, <laughs> yeah. in place, sheltering in place. Um, but you know, there's been pretty, ready yeah, to go, <laughs> right. There's been pretty strong messages. You know, I was just looking and talking to people because there's kind of a political fight that's happened about wearing masks. You brought that up. Yeah. Why is it some people aren't? Some people are, and to some degree, people have kind of politicized it uh, quite a bit. But you know, if you look around the world, I was just looking at our world and data about vaccinations, and um, you know, it's interesting because. Uh, we're changing kind of our culture, you know, in the Asian cultures, they've worn masks whenever anybody is ill, you know, forever. We never, we never have. And now people are saying, Hey, get on board. You're trying to prevent others from getting sick, kind of a social morality, right? A moral, moral ethics. But people have treated, um, or getting vaccinations, for example, people that don't want to get vaccinations, like you're saying, it's all over the, it's all over the place. Yeah, but a lot of these things are, are cultural. You know, we've we we're we're a pretty uh, good health country in the, in the sense that we're we follow the most. But but you know, in other people wouldn't believe this, but culturally, there are some countries, even in Japan, for example, thirty three percent of the people don't believe in vaccinations. Let's just talk vaccinations for a moment. Um, the French in France, when you look at the data, culturally, are some of the the people that least want to get vaccinated. And a lot of it is cultural and cultural beliefs. I, I have a friend that says, you know, I, I get the science, but I've never been vaccinated. That's how I was brought up in my family. So um, a lot of these issues are not political. And and um, I just bring that up because um, it's just as, as, as a point of this, all this disruption, a lot of it is, it, some of it is cultural. Um, some of it is your personality type, you know, how you, how you adjust. Um, um, you know, you wonder sometimes you see people driving in their own car, windows closed with a mask on, you know, so yeah, who've been vaccinated. Okay. So what's your risk? You know, well, maybe the air, you've got the recirculator on in the car. So I think you're seeing a lot of variety. That's, that's the variety of, of who we are, the diversity of ourselves as a species, as yeah. humans coming from many different cultural points and uh, now, uh, you know, being diversified in that way. So do you think it's, this is a little bit leading because I think it is, <laughs> but it's, it's, to me, it's important to be super kind to everybody, just graciously kind to and respectful of every single, every single soul you encounter. Because you I just know what's going on. Yeah. I think it's so important, uh, and I'm hopeful in the value that's come out of this in understanding and reflecting a little bit on life and you know, us being threatened and being closer to understand that uh, you know, uh that having this like an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of respect uh is probably more important more important than ever. You know, it it's said as it, what's the saying, the proverb, the African proverb, you know, alone we go fast, but together we go far. Mm. And uh, if you start thinking of humans only as a species compared to other species, and you see how we've uh, been able to uh, survive, you know, I think that part of social order, that part of learning social respect, and, and I am, you know, personally, I have quite a bit of concern about that education because it happens in that early time that you learn social behavior yeah uh, we've seen that with uh because we had at one time had a number of horses and bred had a few horses and see how cool. how care of the young how they interact how that happens and sometimes there's been moments in my life that i've kind of look out at the world and go i just it's a, it's amazing that people follow all these rules i mean that they stop at the stop sign that they get in line for the coffee that they get in line for the atm I mean, instead of, and of course, we know that a lot of people don't follow those rules and we hear about them in the news every day, right? We hear yeah. the, the non-social sides uh, to us. Uh, but I think it's important that that was done at, at, uh, 
you know, during that time. And, and I think that's where you learn that. That's where you learn that respect, that modicum uh, um, of understanding and respecting others. And, uh, you know, as a caregiver, I think you learn that in healthcare from the beginning. Um, and, and you try at least to, to, uh, to Im Im impose that on yourself and those that you're around. So, you know, I feel I feel the same way. Even though our kids are twenty to twenty six now, I still I, I kind of put myself in other people's shoes to think about people a lot. And I'm like, wow, if they had been in kindergarten or whatever, they would really be missing out on those little fun kindergarten times, <laughs> you know, right. and everything. So we launched. Maybe you want to be a part of this um, because it's just sitting there right now as I'm thinking about it. But we just launched Best Ever You Kids. Oh. It's, kind of, it's kind of blank at this point, but. Um, we're trying to a concept. Yeah. Well, I, I believe though that may be the most important thing that we learn yeah. as humans to socialize more so than the content of how to multiply or do arithmetic, you know, <laughs> or do addition. The, the content may not be as important as that learning of socialization and also learning. We learn the rituals. We learn routines. We learn when to come in, when you go to school. This is how, this is that part of our, that I try to talk about that we're much more connected our bodies to these behaviors that we do. And yeah. why they they give a certainty, and that's what I'm trying to kind of give at least an, an insight, an insight yeah. into our nature a little bit, a different insight. It's by no means the tell all of everything, but well, it's pretty I'm, good. Glad I, I'm glad I got an opportunity to. Yeah, I have to one more question for you. you. Just one more. Yeah. I thought I had one. I thought I was done, but I have one more. Okay, so every guest, I don't want to forget this. Every guest we have on, we ask them about their incredible yes. It, um, you can have multiple ones, but it's a moment where you said yes to someone or something and it changed your life. Wow. That's I, I wish I'd listened to your podcast before to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to do, uh, to do an incredible yes. Well, you know, it, you know, it's interesting. My, my incredible yes is I'm just trying to think is, is kind of related more to, it's a little controversial because, um, in medicine, in emergency medicine, you're sometimes asked to do something to respect someone's, let's say, wishes um, right. to not have life support, you know. And and in medicine, you know, although be besides, you know, do no harm, your whole instinct is to do something, to keep people alive, you know, to do this. And so I'm just reflecting just for a moment about one of these, yeah. you know, incredible yeses that... Um, that I had to kind of overcome the concept that um, someone who was near the end of their life from injury or otherwise um, could be let go and ask me to please say yes, you know, please let it be, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And yet our ins my instinct was to, and I won't speak specifically of the situation, to say no you're 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 this is your decision you're making the wrong decision because i can i can do something to keep yeah. keep your loved one alive and then i think that was an incredible yes because it kind of taught me that as a as a physician uh, saying yes to the end of life may be okay mm. and i know that sounds uh this is not particularly uplifting, incredible. Yes. You know, that, that's okay. Really well, yeah, but it's real and helpful. Yeah. But it, but it, but it's one that kind of comes to mind. For yeah. Me. It's, it's, it's very, it's actually very similar to um, the, my father. So interesting. Yeah. So yeah. that was an incredible. Yes. Just that kind of changed uh, my ability to respect, you know, Thank others, you. as you were talking about respect others wishes mm. and that, um, you know, as a physician or otherwise with a certain type of training or a certain cultural view, you have to understand that that's not necessarily your view is just someone else's view. And as you said, uh, we're trying to be in someone else's shoes or try to have some a tolerance and understanding uh, is so important. I, I, I agree with that. But um, all right. So thank you. I just want to thank you for being here. You've been here for over an hour. I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> I, no, I want to keep you for about another hour and just ask you every question I've got. But hopefully you'll come back, and I'll, I'll promise I'll, I won't keep you for another hour. <laughs> and, and you know what? And that's okay. Time time is great. I'm just really happy that uh, there's a that I've had the opportunity to talk with you on so many areas and subjects and sure. and uh, such piercing questions that you have that uh, 
you know, challenge me to try to answer them. So I really, I think it's great. Thank you. You're very thought provoking and I wish you much success with your book, which comes out June 1st. The full title, everybody, is The Art of Routine. Discover how routineology can transform your life. So congratulations on your book. Much success. And we will be there the day it comes out, typing in our reviews and all the good stuff. So thank you. I hope, <laughs> I, thank you very much. What a great pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks Bye -bye. for watching. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.